In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data, so we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, somewhere in western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, folks. It's April 2023. Um, If y'all know me, anyone of you who knows me knows that I have spent the past 12 years or more tossing and turning every night, knowing that I have the answer to the IT world and I can turn off all the problems, but knowing I can only help two, three people a day myself. And so over the past couple years, I've tried to figure out how to scale myself. One of my old professors met with me like seven years ago and he said, Mark, You're basically one of those places that makes handmade objects, like a handmade pool cue, for example. And he's like, you you are that artist, and you have to do everything yourself. You have to carve it and paint it and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you have to figure out how to start a factory so it's not just you anymore. So on this journey of trying to figure out how I can give more talks and promote my method, I stumbled upon these networking groups uh, through Eventbrite and Event Raptor and that sort of thing. And in one of these networking groups, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed at the number of connections I've been making through them. Um, one of the people who, who's just been absolutely super for me um, in solving my woes and untying my knots, as it were, is a lady named Kara Jean from Taking Kara Business. And I just, that's just so... I love it. Um, so she's here today, and we're going to go ahead, Karajee, just tell us about yourself, and I'll just sit here and listen. <laughs> I love that. That was the greatest testimonial. Thanks. Oh. Um, so I, I'm a leadership coach, but what that really means is I genuinely believe that the people I'm talking to are actually experts at what they do. I mean, you're the only person who's done what you have done as long as you have done it. Mm -hmm. And when you can show up for somebody in that space, they start to believe it. And then the answers just come. It's just so like you already knew what you needed to do. I just had to hold some space. You'd be like, oh, 
Duh! <laughs> and, 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 and a couple, of, I mean, you know, I always tell people I'm excellent at my job, but I'm awful at everything else about being a human. You know, I can't cook and I'm, I'm not good at relationships and I'm awful at everything else. But uh, she's got this idea and I'll let her explain it. But basically, she just introduces herself as we're all just a bunch of bags of meat swimming in hormone soup or something. And I said, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, she definitely did. She just said, Mark, because yeah, I said... I said, oh, do I need to pursue more things and start more projects? And she said, Mark, you're already okay. Just focus on your podcast and, and you're okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'll let you say it in your own words. Yeah, so, yes, it's, I call it soups, 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 and stardust. It's a little bit of a tongue-tied tire. <laughs> so we are, we are meat suits full of hormone soup controlled by mush management and made of stardust. So the trauma and drama that every single one of us experiences is a natural byproduct of navigating our meat suit in a universe of meat suits. And if that makes you feel heard, my people listening, I see you and you're my people. <laughs> it's like, and, and when I talk somewhere, I, people go, oh, that's wow that validates and that's what you just did there like you're saying that and i go wow wait yeah i uh you know we are i am like this yeah and we all are i uh that's essentially emotional intelligence but if you start saying emotional intelligence people's eyes just kind of glaze over <laughs> i'm sure in the tech world you run into that a lot you're like so google has this problem people's eyes just glaze over they're like i know google has problems and that's why i never say certain <laughs> words like i use a product called mint it's based on linux but i never ever say that because when i say linux people go oh my computer guy said it was really hard and i shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah those trigger words, we all have them. That's just a part of a growing up. Like if you have successfully gone from born to today, you have triggers. <laughs> and and people, right, they just, they glaze over or whatever. And that's why I try, I mean, I'm just, I use colorful vocabulary. Thank you to, to Mr. Uh, Mr. Dan, who was, I call him Sparky, who was my English teacher in school. Um, but yeah, you use colorful language and people go, oh, this is different than what I usually hear. And yeah. then they pay attention. And then they hear it. Yeah, it's, this, it's the same stuff. It's not like any, that's what, so that's one of the things that I think I am truly an expert in. I work with these amazing coaches and they're in for these transformations and these experiences and to watch people grow and evolve. And I'm like, that's so amazing. My favorite part is like, oh, duh. <laughs> Or it's not the, oh, what do you call that? It's not the um, the fireworks and all that. It's the simple moments where you just go, oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. I do know this. I'm actually really good at this. Well, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can. So if you can, what will you go do? Oh, I'll go do this. Okay, let's try that. And what I especially liked about talking to you, right, normally, like, you meet people in networking things, and they'll give you a whole list of things. You need to work on this, and you need to improve your site, and you need to improve your this. And I remember when I was in college for at least a year or two, I went to the co-op and careers office, and they said, oh, yeah, just go rewrite your resume. Oh, you got to proofread your resume. For at least a year, every week, they didn't have a job for me, so they would just, I don't know, go home and do your resume, do right? 
just go so instead of all of the giving me homework to do and whatever she just said mark how about you just focus on what you're doing so instead of that she simplified my life and that's something i try to do too and is hey you know what instead of making you do scans and making you do whack-a-mole maintenance all the time putting out fires hey how about we just make it work yeah, I have a couple of clients and they're amazing, but they are very, you know, excessively educated human beings um, with lots of lots of letters behind their name. And I don't. A lot of coaches give a lot of homework. That is that is an expectation that is it makes us feel like we're doing something right. And I don't. I mean, I absolutely can. If you need homework, if you're the type of person who needs that, I can provide all kinds of things, work pages, work books. What do you need? But I don't. I I have found, and this might just be the people in my life, but I have found that humans are really good at complicating things. They don't need any help in making things more complicated. We excel in that arena. Oh, I'm excellent at it. And I <laughs> bet you those excessively educated folks, they're oh, yeah. all what I call oversaturated, right? They don't yeah. need any more homework. Oh, no, we need less. Do less. I am. Uh... <sighs> So it's what Voltaire said, to be is to do, and Socrates said, uh, to do is to be. And then Frank Sinatra came in and said, dooby, dooby, doo, and nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, there's also Wu Wei, the Chinese concept of getting a lot done without moving a finger. And that, yeah. that's coming soon in my next book. We'll talk about that. Oh, I do, because that is... Here's a fun thing we learned. Okay, nobody liked a pandemic. That's not what I'm saying. But some of the stuff that came out of it, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, so Forbes did a huge study on businesses because we had to transition from going to work to doing it from home. And corporations hate the idea of wasted effort or wasted energy. So they really wanted to track, make sure people were doing their job and we weren't wasting and people were just staying home and hanging out and relaxing. God forbid people have time to relax. That'd be terrible. Um, and then through all of these studies, what they found out is if you force your team to work for 10 minutes and take a five minute break, while technically they will only work 40 minutes out of that hour, they will consistently accomplish more in that 40 minutes than if they push through for two hours. So it's because they're just better rested, you know, and I keep telling myself because for years, you know, I just the extreme number of calls that were coming in and I would try to get people done earlier, but then more calls would flood in. So I wasn't, you know, it was, it was like I, I equated it to a basement flood. Right. But the, the as I started to remember to relax, I got more done. And as a matter of fact, right during COVID, I always have to say, you know, no one liked COVID, but it helped me simplify my life and it helped me get my health back. Yeah, and it did that globally. There is not a single person on this planet who didn't experience a two-full experience. One part of your life, it could have been any part of it, one part of your life completely shut off. You could no longer go to the grocery store the way you normally would. You can't go to work the way you normally would. You can't go to parties. It shut down. So part of your life completely stopped. And then the other part, like... You had to figure out wholly new bunches of things. You had to figure out how to homeschool your kids. You had to figure out how to work from home. You had to figure out how to order groceries so they get delivered. And are you really ordering what you need? So your life both slowed down and sped up at the same time while flip-flopping. And that forces your brain into some pretty cool dynamic space that, you know, the human brain really likes to be dynamic. Getting out of your routines, right? Because our subconscious is our program to do that routine. 
and and I for years before this stuff like you know everyone else is all living in fear and I got I got rid of fear years before and but I always get myself out of a routine I always do something different um wow huh and wow yeah yeah so folks if you need an executive coach if you're stuck in any plateau because I am excellent at being in a plateau that's where I've been for seven eight years um of of redlining right i'm in second gear and i'm and i'm redlining in the highway um but i'm not getting anywhere so i you know if if you need a coach to help you get out of some kind of plateau some kind of slump um then certainly yeah what's your website um website is down so you can't do that but just email me it's cara jean c-a-r-a J-E-A-N at Taking Kara Business, T-A-K-I-N-G, Kara, C-A-R-A, and then business.com. So yeah. Taking Kara Business. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That will um, be the website. It's just down right now. Sorry. Well, yeah, that'll, that's cool. We'll figure that out. Um, <laughs> so on my show, I like to read articles and then rant about them. I'm for it. And so I'll read a couple of articles and then I'll get your take on it. And, and one of the, one of the things, so, so what I did for her is I just did my normal cleanup. Right. And I'm figuring like, okay, she's young. She knows about technology. She's actually close to, um, the tech world and lives on the West coast near a bunch of tech firms, uh, and knows the people in the industry. So I said, ah, this won't be that big of a deal. I'll just do a quick cleanup. But she had the same stuff that everyone else does, right? It's a worldwide problem. This isn't just people in my town who have this. It's a worldwide problem. Everyone's infected with the OneDrive scandal, right? The OneDrive scandal is a legalized product that is legal, but it takes your documents and photos without your knowledge, not only duplicates them, but in most cases takes them away from your computer, then destroys itself during an update attack or somehow kicks you out and you have no idea what your name and password are. So now, instead of your documents and photos on your computer, you are left with a group of placeholders. Yeah, it's called OneDrive. In my professional opinion, this is malware because it takes your stuff without your knowledge and then begs you for rental money, but legally you can't call it malware. So that's what it is. It's it's an ethics scandal at the very least. So anyway, I'm telling her about all these concepts, right? And and she goes, yeah, I know people in the tech field. And I'm like, oh, wow. And she started telling techies about my podcast, which is amazing, something. And okay, great. Either I'm going to get a lot of people who, who are validated through this, or I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of hate mail, but uh, we'll see. <sighs> so for validation, literally everybody that I have said, sent over to listen was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, see? The world is talking about this. You can fix it. They're like, okay, it's not just here. I was like, no, just because you're in Seattle and you think, well, this is just because we're in the heart of Seattle and we're talking about these things because it's our job. No, the whole world is irritated. We'd love for you to fix it, please. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a worldwide thing. And, and that's what I'm going to get into in a few minutes with this article here is when you mass produce a product. Okay, you're going to and I said this last episode, actually, when you mass produce a product and it's got a flaw, they're all identical. So what does that mean? What does that mean? They all have the same flaw. And, you know, I use this to my advantage during the day. Like my buddy called me yesterday and said, hey, I'm working on an HP laptop model number thus and such. And I can't pop the door off the bottom. And I said, yep, 
That's every HP of every, I mean, every possible product ever made by HP is treacherous in every way. But I told him, I said, yeah, I worked on that model before. And in that model, yeah, there's a little latch and you're supposed to pop the bottom door off the laptop to get in there and work on it. But the latch is broken on all of them. Every single one of them I've ever worked on has all, you know, so I'm up here in New York, he's down in Nashville, and yeah, doesn't matter, it's the same model. Every single HP laptop with a latch on the bottom has a broken latch on the bottom, so you, you have to actually just rip the door off, to just pry it off. Where are we going? Oh, yeah, so the point is, yeah, um, the extreme incompetence of Microsoft affects everyone everywhere, because they make a uniform product. They don't make a New York product and a Seattle product, like McDonald's does a localized version of a, a lamb burger in India and that sort of... No, no. This tech stuff is worldwide. Yeah. So, yeah, keep telling your techie friends, and I'm so glad that, that validation, you know, if... Now that I'm finally starting to get out of my backwater town and starting to talk to, to the rest of the world, I'm feeling very validated and... Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, as you all know... I'm three years behind in my briefcase, so this article is from December of 20, and it's from Reuters, and I promise we're going to get caught up one of these days. Hackers used SolarWinds dominance against it in a sprawling spy campaign. SolarWinds chief executive touted how far the company has gone. <clears throat> uh, there was not a database or an IT deployment model out there which his company did not provide some level of monitoring or management. And I say this in my book. Everything in this industry is an inbred monopoly. Everything. When, when they see a clear winner, they, everyone in the industry just throws your hands up. Oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, eBay's done it, right? And, 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 you know, some of these folks, like, I've talked to a lot of techies, and some of them are with me, but they're like, yeah, but... Yeah, Microsoft is evil, but but that's the will of Microsoft. There's nothing you can do against them. It's the will of Microsoft. There's nothing you can do. And I say, look, I've already got thousands of people away from them. <clears throat> anyway, so here's yet another inbred monopoly called SolarWinds. He said, we manage everyone's network gear. Now, that dominance has become a liability the workhorse software that helps glue organizations together can turn toxic when it is subverted by sophisticated hackers. SolarWinds confirmed that Orion, which is its flagship network management software, has served as the unwitting conduit for a sprawling international cyber espionage operation. The hackers inserted malicious code into the Orion software updates, which are pushed out to nearly 18,000 uh, large customers. Okay, so those updates. Oh, yeah, updates are good. Yeah, I was told that updates are good. And remember Dumb and Dumber? Pills are good. Pills are good. And he's giving the guy rat poison pills. Pills are good. So normally update attacks come from the actual publisher and they still destroy your product in almost every case. In this case, the bad guys broke, <coughs> broke into the update attack server and started poisoning the update attacks so they were even worse than a normal update attack. So it was not just the usual sloppy programmer at the, at the home office, but now it's bad guys poisoning the updates that are, are injected into your products, okay? And again, this guy says there's not an IT deployment model out there which his company did not provide some level of monitoring or management. Okay? The hackers have already 
uh, breached the U.S. Treasury and Department of Commerce, of course. Uh, the company said, we strive to implement physical and technical safeguards and security processes and procedures and standards designed to protect our customers. See what they did, Kara Jean? See what they did? See what they did? Complexity. We're trying to help you. We're trying to help you. Yeah, but beyond that, beyond I mean, everyone's got PR, but beyond that, okay, it's... Complexity, complexity, complexity. Oh, we we have Bondo, and we have duct tape, and we have whack-a-mole, and we have spray paint to protect you, because <clears throat> we're going to do the hokey pokey, and that'll protect you. I did an episode, like, a long time ago, where we played an actual final record of the hokey pokey at, while I was explaining an article. <laughs> but we do procedures, and yeah. somehow that protects you. We rub, we rub snake oil on your computer. <laughs> Have you ever read Alice in Wonderland? Um, saw the movie. Long time ago. Okay, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I don't remember it. What? So, in Alice in Wonderland, one of the things after they get out of the pool of tears and, oh, woe to me, and she does her right, she's strong and she's grown already, she ends up in a caucus race. And it, when I reread it the other day, it made me think of every business meeting I had ever been in, ever. So, we're going to sit around and we're going to talk for a whole bunch about a bunch of things that none of us are going to do. It's really dry subject, but we're going to say it all because that makes us feel really good. And then we're going to do something about it. But what we do about it is we're going to kind of generally create a race-ish sort of shape. And then we're going to put everybody at different places in the race. And you can run when you want to or not run when you want to. And then when we think we're mostly at a done spot, we'll all come back together and talk some more. Wow. Damn, Alice. <laughs> so that's... And and I, I oh I could go on forever about commercial software versus open source software, right? And, and that's the model of commercial software, right? People right over near you are having meetings right now and they're just coming up with chaotic products that don't Try talk them. to their subsystems and none of it talks to anything. And I've I've talked about this in, in before, but um, with open source, and there's a book called The Cathedral and the Bazaar, if you want to read it, um, okay. by Eric Raymond, and it talks about how open source software is the opposite. Instead of a cathedral, which has a singular architect, and everyone works has meetings and works under that, a bazaar is where everyone shows up and sells whatever you want. And yeah. people are a lot more motivated when they're working on their own projects that they actually care about, and computer guys don't care about money, but they're motivated by Mountain Dew and cool projects. So in other words, harnessing that human nature instead of trying to uh, herd the cats, right? So yes. it talks about how open source is vastly more efficient uh, because of that. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> cybersecurity experts are still struggling to understand the scope of the damage. The malicious updates sent between March and June. All right, hang on a second. Hang on. You know when you see those TV commercials, right, and there's zeros and ones and maybe a couple of sigmas floating around on your screen and we are cybersecurity and we protect you and there's robots with sunglasses for some reason and there's yeah. soup flying around, as Dennis Leary would say. Yeah. And I like the sunglasses. Right, right, right. There's, there's I really do. They a... make me feel more secure. I don't know. Right, robot with sunglasses. And there's also shields and checkmarks and happy faces. But Okay, ready? But the reality is, these malicious updates 
were sent between March and June. Let's count on our fingers, folks. March, April, May, June. Four months. Four months. Okay? And and, and this isn't like this isn't like a, a, a grocery store or whatever. This is a firm, a cybersecurity firm that protects other cybersecurity firms. But a bad guy was poisoning the well. Poisoning the water tower for March, April, May, June. Right. This not this is the reality, the the ugly underbelly, or however you want to say it, of this industry. It's full of incompetent hacks with fancy commercials with robots and sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know that they're even fancy hacks so much as it's just bad leadership. Clearly, there is one segment of the group that is all about trying to like create that they're they're constantly creating new solutions. Um, but going back and fixing the other solutions isn't cost effective. So our leadership is like, uh, well, let's just layer this solution on top of the next one because that's cost effective. So you actually have tons of tech people over here who are like, but I can fix it. And they're like, yeah, but can you just bandaid it? Because that's because I can sell it faster that way. Okay, number one, that's huge. That's huge because you're coming at this from a leadership coach perspective, so that's huge. I don't know who to blame, but I do say the rest of that part all the time. There's a book called Why Software Sucks, and you need to read it right away. It's very short and funny. And and it talks about how, and I say this in my book as well, How to Protect Yourself from Your Computer. Buy it for everyone you know. Um, I say this all the time where... This industry, instead of fixing things, we're going to play Jenga, right? Oh, why should we fix that? We can just add billions more features that nobody wanted. Wow, yeah. so you you brought that up and you didn't even read my book yet. No. Wow. But okay. that, I mean, that's literally what that, I, I get to work on the other side of that, where these bosses are like, hey, but this is what we have to do. And I was like, cool, but you're talking to people. Um, so how are you going to engage them in that? Because they want solutions and you want money. So if you want them to make you money, you have to give them solutions. That's, that's how the exchange works. They do the work. You you know, I was just talking to a lady right before this and, and she was saying how she hates using Outlook. And I said, look, my industry is all about forcing people to use products that they hate, but have no choice to use. What I do in contrast and what you should teach these folks is how do we gain loyalty and customer satisfaction? Like, I can't wait till you read my book because who knows, you might be able to teach some of these jokers a thing or two. Um, okay, we got to finish this article. Uh, <laughs> so between March and June, that's that's laughable. Um, officials ordered anyone, U.S. officials ordered anyone running this Orion software to immediately disconnect it. Um, I wish they would have added anyone running Outlook, please disconnect that as well. Uh, multiple <laughs> criminals have offered to sell access to the SolarWinds computers uh, through underground forums. One of those offering access is wanted by the FBI, said Mark Arena, chief executive of cybercrime at Intel 471. (laughs) So one of my friends sent me this article thinking it was me. Um, So shout out to listener Chip. But no, that's not me. But that's so cool. (laughs) I totally thought that. I was like, was that you? (laughs) No, and I'm not even joking. Like sometimes I'll just throw my name in an article as a joke. But no, some dude named Mark Arena is the chief executive of cybercrime. So uh, good on you. That's good for him. Um, okay, security researcher Vinoth Kumar said anyone could access SolarWinds update server by using the password SolarWinds123. <laughs> 
so they're they're bombarding the 90 year old ladies trying to get into their online banking and you need seven factor authentication and you need this and you need that but in reality these jokers oh yeah i'll just use solar winds one two three that'll be fine um okay so days after the solar winds realized their software had been compromised and completely roasted and ruined worldwide uh, the malicious updates were still They were still available for download. In case I, mean, I sh in case I shriek too loud and you didn't understand what I said. Wow. <laughs> Three weeks ago, SolarWinds posted a job ad seeking um, a new vice president for security. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Need better so leadership, that's for sure. First, they published the passcode word, and then and well, then the bad guys found out the password and offered to sell it to everyone. <laughs> And that password controls the SolarWinds update server, which controls almost all of the network security hardware in the world. <clears throat> so that's like 18,000 backbone organizations. So, yeah, my take on it real quick. Mass market product, right? Like we said, it's homogenous, so it has the same flaws. And bad guys love a, a, a monopoly because their products are ubiquitous, right? <sighs> So if it's got the flaw, then all the products have the flaw. Um, folks, for, you know, look, human motivation. If you're a monopoly, you are not motivated to improve your products, okay? If you aren't a monopoly, remember the old car rental commercials? We're number two, so we try harder, right? That's the deal. You know, I have to try because I'm not an abusive monopoly. And in my industry, even if you aren't a monopoly, you set things up so it's called vendor lock-in, where you lock the client into your services forever so that you act like a micro-monopoly and you can abuse them, right? I never lock my clients into me. I give them all their passwords on a sheet of paper, and I say, if I get hit by a bus, then here's your passwords. Um, finally, I was watching Newsmax uh, earlier today, and they said Biden's going to come out with laws for cybersecurity, right? That's what we need here. More more complexity and more laws, because laws are going to help this, right? Not the fact that they're a monopoly and everything we've talked about this episode, but yeah, we need laws and complexity. So they had this joker on who was a, a retired CIA guy, and he said, oh yeah, right? And your classic line, when anyone ever... Uh, anyone in the media calls up a computer joker and says, oh, yeah, we need a contributor. Classic line. So this joker said, yeah, uh, that's why you need antivirus products. Because even though he's a cybersecurity expert from the CIA, he hasn't found out. He has not discovered that since 2013, viruses haven't happened. So he hasn't had any training since 2013. Um, the other thing he said is, well, you can't avoid the cloud. It's inevitable. And that's not true at all. Like, you can do a proper backup and keep it disconnected. I keep all my stuff completely off the cloud, and I do a disconnected backup. So that's not true. That's just trying to make people think they need to go into the cloud, right? 99% of the stuff is because people think they need it. And finally, he said, yeah, you need the two-factor authentication. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just squeezing the balloon, right? It's just... <laughs> Uh, for example, let's make more laws like, you know, those verification codes, right? So you get a verification code on your phone with a two-factor scandal whenever you log into anything now. Massively frustrates everyone on Earth, can never protect anyone. So the scammers, right? So you're not protecting anyone. You're, you're squeezing the balloon is what I say. You're not inflating it. You're just, you're just squeezing it. So 
the scammers will now send a reset code to you and then they'll say hey did you get that verification code so i can make sure you're real and then you give them the verification code and then they hijack your account yeah <sighs> okay your final take on the article before we go well, I, so I did not anticipate seeing so much leadership stuff in it, but really, I mean, from a leadership point of view, it's like adulting, right? Like there is all of these expectations. There's all of these things that we want from it, but there's so little training and so little standardization that it's just a whole lot of people going, let's try this. And then let's layer this next thing on top of that. And that, and that didn't work. Let's fire somebody and bring somebody else in to put a new layer on top of it. It's like every business I work with. Yeah. I, I was not prepared for that, but oh my God. Yeah. This is just humans doing what humans do, complicating things that do not need to be complicated. And if you stop focusing on the money, this is the thing. So, so this is my little soapbox. Uh, right. So in business, we tend to think of money as a goal. That's bad management because any leader will tell you wow. that if you want to make money, the goal is to make people happy because then they give you the money. Wow. Well, any leader who's worth is salt, but obviously right. none of them are in this industry. Like this is huge and because like, if you hear my past episodes for the past 10 years now, I've been ranting and ranting about this result yeah. of the chaos, yeah. but you're giving me the, the insider perspective. Uh, first of all, the leadership perspective, it's a leadership problem. Second of all, that, that you're involved in this world. Literally. Yes. Yeah. And that's <laughs> wow. why I use the language leader versus manager, because there's a lot of managers out of there. And we hire managers, we give them titles, we give them positions, and managers are anywhere from C-suite down to operations, right? Like all the way through, we have all of these managers. Oh, but they're not Leadership leaders. is different because leaders understand that the goal is never money. Money is a result of doing the right thing. And I just, maybe it's because I'm a good church boy or something, but I've always, always said in my business in technosophy since the day I started is I do the right thing first. I protect people. The money comes later. I don't know yeah. who taught me that, but that's the money comes. And guess what? People were happy. It exploded out of control. I created a monster. It went exponential, but people <laughs> don't care about what I charge. They just want me because all their friends wanted me and it yeah. just exploded. Yeah. The money came later. That's Good leadership. You weren't looking to manage a business. You were leading a change. Because I still and and believe me, there I give everyone discounts, and I you know I aside from my billable hours, you know I'm just sitting at this desk doing a lot of stuff for free, like every entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, I don't care about money. I care about getting this getting this industry changed. Yeah. Money is a lag metric, and the sooner we get all industries to understand that, the better our leadership will be, and the better our products will be, and the better our life will be. Money is a lag metric. <clears throat> that I just that wrote that goal. down. <clears throat> wow. Well, Karajin, thank you so much. I think we'll, we we could do another episode if you like, but uh, that's it for for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, taking care business. That's C A R a.com. And, uh, thank you so much. We will talk to you next episode.